This week on Right Now, heart specialist Dr. Peter McCulloch joins me to talk about his new book, The Courage to Face COVID-19. Rebel News journalist Lewis Brackpool tells us about his recent experience on the streets outside WEFHQ in Davos. Medical researcher Stuart Wilkie comes on to reveal the damning new evidence of the use of the end-of-life drug Medazolam. We join Canadian military veteran James Topp as he's walking 2,670 miles across Canada to protest against Justin Trudeau's government. And organic farming pioneer Sir Julian Rose is on the line to tell us about impending food shortages and hair, the Hardwick Alliance for Real Ecology. Hello and welcome to Right Now. Disney product Christina Aguilera has used a family-friendly Pride event in LA to state her intention to heal the divide between the different sexual persuasions among us. Sure, we've come a long way since the days of Oscar Wilde being thrown in prison because of his sexuality, spat at by the public as he was moved to Reading Jail, but there's still a long way to go to get real equality. So my television tells me. Anyway, my personal life experience tells me that we're all equal and people of all different colours of the rainbow are coexisting pretty damn nicely, but I've learnt to ignore my own personal view of the world after the last two years. After all, there was a global pandemic and despite ignoring everything I was told I needed to do to avoid it killing me, I even hugged folks in crowds of hundreds of thousands, I never saw any evidence of it. So what do I know? Anyway, back to Aguilera, she's healing wounds. How is she doing that? Because people have been attempting this for decades. She's dressed up as the Hulk in drag, strapped a massive green penis to herself, which she regularly milks while performing on stage at a family-friendly event. only Peter Tatchell had thought of that. Midazolam, remember that? It hasn't gone away. The drug is still being used to cull the elderly and the most vulnerable. You know, the ones we were told we were destroying our children's futures to protect if it saves just one life. Honestly, if I ever hear that sentence used again as a justification for lockdowns, I swear. Some of us haven't forgot what this drug has been used for and will fight to the end to expose those that were guilty of mass murder. People like Matt Hancock can enjoy their softball interviews for now. It won't always be that way. Our next guest will play a large role in ensuring that. Stuart Wilkie is a walking encyclopedia, a man who knows every cross T and dotted I when it comes to the NHS and more specifically its end of life protocols. He's been on the show before and was featured in the iconic film A Good Death. Now a lot has happened and a lot has been uncovered since we last spoke. Stuart, welcome back. Can you give us an update on what you've uncovered since we last spoke? Yeah, sure. The the story hasn't gone away with Medazolam because it's still very much in use. What I found is that the numbers involved are considerably higher. Um, I started talking to people about figures of perhaps 400,000 people, and they were quite shocked. 
this is per year being given this drug. Uh, if I now tell you that we found documents that um, start off at 457,000, that's uh, 1,250 people a day are given this drug. If you then realize that the number that they, as they go through the document, this is a government document, increases to uh, a figure which is 549,000 people a year given this drug. And that equates to 1,504 people every single day in the country. Uh, these are the sort of numbers we're talking about. And the amounts of drug that were used, we all know that um, we imported drugs from France. And the French midazolam came over in two chunks. The first chunk actually came over prior to any lockdowns and really before anybody was significantly ill over here. Um, and that was done in, I believe, at the end of January in 2020. So if you go back to that time, we were just hearing about things going over in, in China. And then we were starting to hear about things happening in Europe, in France. Um, but we, our government was already ordering these drugs two years further supply of midazolam. And that came from France. We then got hold of paperwork that came from a second order, which was 220,000 doses. And that's approximately uh, a quarter of a year. So that's three months. If you add the three months to the 24 months, you get 27 months worth of medications of midazolam. And that was all used up within nine, just nine months in, in the year of 2020. And our death toll rocketed up to 608,000 deaths. And we should be having figures of around 450,000 um, annual mortality, 608,000. But they'd used all of these drugs within nine months, and they all came from France. And the significance of that is we've gone into detail now, and this is myself, um, a group of uh, doctors, um, a lawyer, and we've gone into some detail on the packaging and what exactly was sent over and what was purported to be sent over. And the, the UK paperwork suggests it was a one milligram dose. In fact, it's a five milligram dose. Wow. So that significantly opens up questions, um, particularly because all the packaging was written in French. Now, it's unlawful to have any medication on a British hospital ward um, or in a doctor's, in, for that matter, as well, if it's not written in English. Then, and that's obviously. in the MHRA guidelines. And there's other codes that are written along with all medications that it has to be written in English. It can be in two languages within that, as long as one of them is English. This was solely written in French. The government tried to cover that up by saying, throw away the packaging, throw away the, the, the leaflet inside, which is rather irresponsible of them. Just but bit. particularly when it, it would in, uh, include things like the batch information. So if there were any problems with the batch, you wouldn't be able to uh, go back to that particular um, batch to check and, and find out exactly where it was from. But it's worse than that because if there was any issues over the dosing or mistakes in the dosing or any complaints about what was going on with the drug, that it was untraceable. But it's even further than that. If you remove and open a package 
and remove the leaflet inside, basically that, that package has then been tampered with. So then you can't say if it comes off a shelf, how old it is, what, whether it's in, in date or not, and also the, the actual information regarding that drug is missing. The, the, and the that dose, should never ever have been used on a British the, ward. The, the dosing seems, seems so significant because whenever I've spoken um, to people about midazolam and, and this, this culling that has obviously happened in, in NHS hospitals um, and care homes, the response I tend to get is they wouldn't do that. Now, they don't mean the state. I think most people are open to that now, but the nurses themselves, they say, you know, well, my wife's a nurse. She's a lovely woman. She would never do that. But obviously, if you've got a discrepancy over the doses, then that would sort of put pay to that because the nurses might be giving their, what, what they would consider to be their usual one milligram, but they're actually giving five. So they don't actually know yes. what they're doing. There's a, there's a potential fivefold error here, and I actually have tried it out on several nurses, um, and they've each made a mistake in one error or another um, because they've either said it's one milligram, it definitely is one milligram because it says that on the top of the pack, or they've missed the, the, the five milligram which is written on the side. I then said how many ampules are in there and they said why, why are you saying ampules? I said because it's written in French but have you seen that it's T-sampule? And they said well, we, we thought that there were five ampules in there. I said well you'd see that when you opened the package. So what dose are you actually giving? And on, on each occasion, they thought they were actually giving one milligram, but we've checked 100% and those are all five milligram ampules. So there's a, a tremendous risk error there. And particularly, it's, it's such a potent uh, drug that if you gave an elderly person, particularly somebody who is re remotely debilitated or in a poor condition, uh, a high dose, then you, that could be fatal and that could cause respiratory arrest. It feels like it was set up this way to to kind of make it impossible for, for doctors and nurses on the wards to, to get it right. Because if, if your kind of mistake is fivefold, I'm giving someone an overdose five times what, you know, I should be giving them. Like you say, the, the people are, are just going to be... It's mass murder, basically. I'm trying to think of a way to kind of make well, that Well, to put sound, it into context, you know. if, you, if, you, if you were to give two milligrams, you should start with an old person at 0 0.5 milligrams. But the convention during COVID and the NG163 protocol was to give 2.5, which is already five times what you would have given pre-COVID to somebody um, of that age and with any kind of resp respiratory issue. And so you already they're giving a high dose. If they gave two milligrams, effectively, they would be giving 10 milligrams. And oh again, to put that into context, that was exactly the dose that was given on death row to Dennis McGuire in 2014, and that was enough to cause him prolonged torture, um, air hunger, and all the, those who witnessed this, include, including the executioner himself, said he never ever wished to see something like that happen again. He actually said he'd rather watch 100 people hang than, than watch somebody die slowly of air hunger, trying to breathe, and then their diaphragm being stopped from working. It, it makes me so angry, Stuart to think that people stepped outside and applauded this. Um, what, what, what qualified people for a good death um, in terms of what boxes would be ticked in order to decide whether you know, one lives or, or one, one dies, basically? Well, the, fir the first thing has been a population triage, which was set up in Exercise Cygnus in 2016-2017 when they reported on it, which was that it actually started as young as 50. 
So a 50-year-old man would get one point. If you were 80, you already scored eight points, which meant that you automatically went on, on to end of life. But in the middle there, if you are, say, 60 years old and you've had a heart attack or maybe you've had COPD or asthma or, or in a child's case, because this doesn't preclude children either, if they have autism, that is a very, uh, those are extra points. And it's a point system. And so we have a population triage. Everybody has a score. And once you get to over 50 and you go into hospital, you, the paramedics will actually know at, before they pick you up what your point score is. And if it's uh, eight, you will be euthanized. And it's an involuntary euthanasia. Um, also, what, uh, while I remember it, the um, the drug is known originally as hypnobel, and it was released as hypnobel, and that got my, me thinking that it's a hypnotic, and it in fact is a hypnosedative. It doesn't say that in the British paperwork when you just look up midazolam, but if you look up hypnobel, and I sent you a link for that, you will see that it's listed as a hypnosedative, and it's always been listed as that in America, and it's the same drug. It's midazolam hydrochloride. So it's a mind-altering drug that makes you lose memory. But it's also being used in British hospitals to do fake assessments and to obtain consent for DNARs. If you ask somebody, it's like auto-suggestion. It makes them more compliant, um, but you can actually make somebody respond by suggesting it to them. And I've actually done this with a, with a patient um, back in the hospital who was refusing to give their name um, to a nurse and was very rude to the nurse. They gave, they were given midazolam. They also refused a cup of tea. So when they, after they gave him midazolam, I was just a patient opposite. And uh, me being slightly um, devilish, I said to the chap, I said, sorry, what was your name again? And he refused to give his, his Christian name. He was very officious. And um, I said, what, what was your name again? I didn't catch it. And he went, my name's Rupert. I went, oh, Rupert. I said, would Rupert like a cup of tea? And he went, oh, I would like a cup of tea. And he, he reverted to almost childhood um, speech and mannerisms. I was then able to suggest he had a biscuit, which he would never have done before, and he started being polite. He became very, very amenable just on the Dazalam. Now, can you imagine trying to get somebody to agree to, to, to do a DNAR on, on that basis? But they've even done mental capacity assessments on midazolam and its sister drug, lorazepam, and all of those are unlawful. So if anybody's had a loved one who's been assessed on, on midazolam, lorazepam, or any of the benzodiazepines, they are hypnosedatives, and all of those assessments should be banned, should be voided. And, and this still continues today, as, as we're speaking? Unfortunately, the numbers are actually increasing, not decreasing. Um, regardless of when you think the pandemic started or what the pandemic was, the numbers have increased. Our death toll went up from 608,000 to two-thirds of a million to 667,030. And th th that gives us a figure currently of 1,827 people a day being killed. Now, you think, well, hang on a second, people must be allowed to die naturally. What the government is doing is it's expediting death, which is hastening death. And clearly that is, is murder. Um, so what they're doing is people that they know that maybe die in 
three months time six months time even years it's been debated that some of the people could have lived up to five years longer but by expediting this death they are actually reducing the age of our whole population by doing that so life expectancy has fallen during covid by six months for men and by three months for women but there's a knock-on effect to this it's not just a case of saving pensions um, the, the cost saving to the NHS they have worked out is 180 million pounds a year. So for killing 549,000 people, they save just 180 million pounds. That's 327 pounds, 87 pence per person. So that's what you're like. They're work. willing to do that to our elderly in order to save apparently the NHS money. That is not just um, a democide. If, if you actually look at the figures um, pr from the documents that I've seen now that go back to 2011, you might think, are they relevant? Yes, because they plan to go forwards to 2031. And if you look at 11 years times 549, you get to an astonishing figure, 6,039,000. I don't know, what's the first figure that comes to mind when you think of six million. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the Holocaust, Stuart. Yes, so we, we've become the national, it's become the National Holocaust Service. I've used the term homicide service before. This is National Holocaust. It's that level of, of, of number of people. Did you and you can do the maths, 549 times 11 is, it will always be six million and 39,000. Do you believe this protocol will pave the way now for, for a, basically a COVID relaunch? I think they're getting desperate for, for other things. What, what's bizarre, I get the, the Health Services Journal news and they're saying how many of the hospitals are overwhelmed at the moment. And everybody's heard that you know COVID is around a million people in the general population. We have a population of 67 million people. Um, there is another figure that's of, of interest, and it, there's two reasons for this. One is that um, there was an, an American study done by the NIH. They used NHS data, which I can't access, um, but they showed that 83% of all elderly going into hospital for COVID were given morphine and midazolam as a treatment, which is not a treatment, it's a, it's, it's a death sentence. Yeah. So they weren't given beneficial drugs like dexamethasone, and there are many cases where if they give them dexamethasone, the person could be back home and um, watching, watching this program right now. And, but they're dead, and they've been dead for one year or two years. Um, so dexamethasone is one, the other one is budesonide. If they'd been given budesonide, and literally only in the last 24 hours, for the first time I've heard of budesonide, which was and has been used in Southern Ireland, but not in Northern Ireland. And there's a discrepancy right there. Now, I went into hospital myself just before Christmas, and I requested budesonide because I knew it worked and I knew it was 90% effective. The hospital said I had COVID. I said, could I please have budesonide? I was very polite. And I said, I come from a medical background. I believe that budesonide would really, really help me. And if you previously had asthma or COPD, Budesonide is an excellent drug for flare-ups and it reduces all the inflammation in your lungs and it means the effect of the virus, what they call the cytokine storm, just doesn't have the effect it would normally have. Um, so it doesn't overwhelm your lungs. 
So budesonide is a drug made in this country, patented by AstraZeneca, and yet we haven't used it. In Texas, they're using it to 90% efficacy. And in one case in San Antonio Hospital, they reduced, they, they took everybody out of their ICU unit within, within 48 hours, giving budesonide um, every two hours. And, that, and they said it's a wonderful drug. It costs around 30 pounds a patient to administer. Instead, over here, we've been using a drug costing uh, $2,400, remdesivir, which has got a terrible legacy of um, and a history of causing renal and hepatic failure. So basically kidneys and liver. And yet that's the protocol over here. And prior to that, the protocol for the elderly was just morphine and midazolam, which makes no sense to give somebody who's got respiratory issues morphine and midazolam unless you want to terminate their life. Yeah. EOL now means ending of life as far as I'm concerned. And that's what they're doing. And the, the shocking thing is the numbers involved. Um, as I say, I was heading upwards towards 400,000. People were saying it can't be as many as that. But it is. It is that many. And we're talking 1% of the population died last year. 1%. But it's de depopulation of the elderly. And these, this French labeling, the amount of drugs they have used. I mean, we make midazolam in this country. There's Hamel, Hamel make it in Gloucestershire. Um, we have Accord, the ones who imported from France. They're down, down in the West Country. Um, but they've also got plants in Southern Ireland and Northern Ireland. We make midazolam. We were pumping this stuff out, and yet we still required two and a quarter years supply. And then they, the, about six months ago, they put out another, just after the turn of the year, they put out another request to get another order, massive order for midazolam. And if they're not using midazolam, they use one of its sister drugs. And anything that ends in an AM usually is a benzodiazepine, so clonazepam, uh, lorazepam, which is even more potent, um, and, and of course midazolam itself can be made in this country. So the fact that we had to go abroad showed you how desperate we were to reduce our population during the, during COVID. Exactly, exactly. Th thank you so much, Stuart, for talking to us. Thanks for all your research. And for people at home, you know, that they're hearing these drugs that you're saying, it's very important for them to, you know, research them and be aware of them, especially if they have relatives in hospital or indeed, as you did, you end up in hospital yourself, you know protect yourself by, 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 by knowing what these drugs do. And I, I self-discharged. It was the only way I, could, I, I got out. I self-discharged. I, I picked my moment. I picked the right person, and I self-discharged. Um, well, because I knew really if I'd stayed in there any longer, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. No. Well, I'm so happy that you did, Stuart. And, and thank you so much for joining us. That's right. Pleasure.